was really proud of our guys' effort. You know, we talked to them going into this game about just leaving it all out on the field, you know, especially with what we have coming up, being that we have a bye week ahead. Uh, just wanted to make sure that we had no regrets out there tonight, and I thought our guys battled for four quarters. Those are the fun ones, that, you know, that you're going to think about in 20 years probably. Remember that night where it was snowing and we were playing a big game coming off a disappointing loss that hopefully uh, galvanized us and, and sent us on our way. But tonight was a classic Green Bay game. Way back. Get up. Get out of here. Go. Rainbows high and deep. Touchdown, Wisconsin. And this game is underway with a bang. This is where the lacrosse area gathers to talk Wisconsin sports. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Join in by phone or text at 796-2558. Now, here's Grant Bills. Packers 24-16 winners yesterday at Lambeau Field. They hosted the Carolina Panthers for an afternoon game. And we're getting to the point now where you start a football game at 3 o'clock and then it's pitch black outside. When the game ends, starting to get serious, right? Starting to get later on into the season. Yesterday, I'm not going to say it had a playoff feel, but it definitely felt a little bit bigger. Under the lights, the snow falling down. Look, we're going to talk about some of the X's and O's, uh, some of the good calls, some of the bad, some of the good things, the bad things that jumped out to you, right? We're going to break into this game. We're going to talk about it all. But before we start, we all have to be in agreement, right? The best part of yesterday's game, the coolest part of yesterday's game was the snow, right? Right? And, like, maybe I'd have a different opinion if I had to drive all the way to Green Bay and back yesterday. Maybe. But, man, seeing it on, it it looked like a snow globe. And it got to the point where the snow was actually starting to collect on the grass. It just, it looked classic yesterday. You only get those games every once in a while. I mean, I can think back to 2008, the Ryan Grant game. Right? Brett Favre's second-to-last game as a Packer, their final playoff run against the Seahawks, where they fell down early, and then Ryan Grant brought them back, and it was just a party in the snow. Think of the Houston game from 2016, right, when they were in the midst of running the table at the end of 2016. It's a short, short list of cool, iconic-looking snow games like that. It was cool uh, to hear Aaron Rodgers talk about it a little bit in his post-game presser as well. Those Those are the games that you remember. You may or may not remember Kyle Allen, Right, You may or may not remember Aaron Jones scoring three touchdowns or anything that Aaron Rodgers did, right, or maybe even anything that Christian McCaffrey did, who is looking like an MVP candidate right now. right? But you will remember in 10 years, 20 years, you will remember that snow and the snow coming down at Lambeau, getting dark earlier, starting to feel a little bit more serious, a little bit more legit uh, as the Packers continue to make their way through the schedule now sitting at 8-2. and two. This is the Wisco Sports Show. You're listening to WKTY. I am your host, Grant Bills. Hope you had an awesome weekend. Badgers get a win. Packers get a win. So do the Vikings and so do the Gophers. I mean, is anybody in a bad mood today? Anybody? Bears? I know the Bears got a win yesterday. Bears fans, you got to be feeling a little bit better, right? No reason to be unhappy today. And we're going to talk a lot of Packers. We're going to talk a little bit of Badgers as well before 6 o'clock. But I want to hear from you. I want to discuss the Packer game with you. 608-796-2558. That's the five-star telecom talk and text line. You can also tweet at me at Grant or tweet at us all. WKTY. The game started a little shaky. Started a little shaky. It started to feel a little bit like last week, right? The offense goes three and out or, or or punts the ball away quickly. The defense gives up a long drive, gives up a score, and I'm starting to think, man, oh man, here we go. For two weeks in a row, 
If it continues, the Packers can't figure it out. You're looking at losing two games going into the bye and, and not feeling too great at 7-3, and three, right? And the wheels in my head start spinning immediately. But the Packers offense able to get it under control. Defense, uh, obviously, I, look, I thought the defense was good yesterday. Reactions to the Packers defense yesterday are a little bit of a mixed bag, but ultimately they held the Panthers to 16 points and held them off on that final drive. Panthers trying to force overtime. The way the game started... When the defense is giving up yards and long drives, maybe they're they're still only giving up field goals like we saw last week or like we saw yesterday on a couple occasions. But if the defense is giving up long drives and the opponent offense is eating up clock and that game's getting shorter, every play that Aaron Rodgers and that offense runs feels like it's under so much pressure, right? Last week in Los Angeles, you certainly felt it, right? Because the Chargers were keeping hold of the ball. They were going on these long drives and keeping Aaron Rodgers on the bench. So those few limited opportunities, especially in the first half, that Rodgers and company got on offense, it felt like every play was under the microscope. It's a bad place to be. I I got that feeling. I saw that a lot uh, the last year or so under Mike McCarthy where every offensive play, it just, it felt so laborious. It, It felt so difficult to just simply move the ball. Every play was under the microscope. Packers able to come back, take the lead, and and it looked a little bit more natural. It felt a little bit more natural. The Packers were able to run the ball, pass the ball, and and, and really operate more normally. Whereas last week in Los Angeles, they barely had the ball at all. And when they did, they were making dumb mistakes. They were accruing penalty yardage, right? And every play felt like it was life and death, right? Every play felt like that was going to decide the game. And early on yesterday, it felt like maybe the game was trended in that direction. But Aaron Rodgers, that offense... Able to get the ball rolling a little bit. Defense comes up with a couple of stops. Two turnovers as well yesterday. A lot easier to play from ahead, right? A lot easier to play from ahead. Able to get that run game going. Like I said, Aaron Jones had another day yesterday. 13 carries, 93 yards, three touchdowns. Jamal Williams is pretty good in spurts as well. Both backs have a place. Both backs have a role and a time and place to be used in these games. And it's fun to watch Lafleur as he learns how to coach and learns how to call plays with this team and run this offense figure out when to use which running back. And I think that process is coming along. You saw that a little bit yesterday, right? Aaron Rodgers is fine yesterday, right? He was good enough, 17 to 29 for about 230 yards. This game maybe wasn't pretty, right? Maybe other than the snow and and, and a couple bad penalties uh, and, and maybe a couple of mistakes by that Packers offense. We may or may not remember all of that. We are going to remember the 24 to 16 win and we're going to remember the snow, like I said. Yesterday's win was so huge. So, so huge. Not only because you're going into the bye and you want to end this portion of the schedule on a good note, right? Going into the bye off a win is obviously much better than going in off of a loss. And we heard players talk about that in in, in press conference and locker room interviews earlier this week and then after yesterday's game as well. You always want to go into the bye on a good note, feeling good, especially with San Francisco in a road game looming on the other side in, in two weeks now. But that win was so big for seeding and it was so big for the division. We we all watched the Vikings win in Dallas last night, do just enough to outlast a really good performance from Dak Prescott. Dalvin Cook was tremendous, right? So the Vikings winning, keeping pace with the Packers. But as equally as important yesterday, the Saints lost. The lowly Atlanta Falcons, and I'm amazed that Dan Quinn hasn't been fired already. The lowly Atlanta Falcons coming into the Superdome, into New Orleans, and beating the Saints, which no one expected. So now, the Saints coming back down to earth a little bit. The Packers pulling closer. And the Niners have to play Seattle tonight, which is probably their biggest test of the year. 
Now, I'm not saying the Niners are going to win or lose. I'm not making a prediction, but their schedule is going to start getting difficult after a really, really, uh, I don't want to call it easy, but the competition wasn't exactly there in the first half. The front of the pack starting to come back. The Packers getting that win yesterday, and it, and it was so big. And look, you might be saying, okay, Grant, easy. Packer, er, playoffs are a ways away. Don't worry about seeding yet. Don't worry about it. Right? The, you got Aaron Rodgers, got the defense, got the, the new head coach that seems to know how to handle this running game, how to handle the offense. They'll be fine. Just get back to the playoffs. Worry about that first. Well, I am going to worry about seeding, and I am going to worry about a potential first-round bye. Here's why. And I didn't really start thinking about this until this morning, and this is why yesterday's win, in comparison with the Saints and possibly in comparison with what the 49ers do tonight on Monday Night Football, that win was so big for seeding because you know the last time the Packers had a bye in the first round of the playoffs? Aaron Rodgers, a two-time MVP, Super Bowl-winning quarterback. The last time he had a first-round bye in the playoffs? 2014. Five years ago. Do you know the last time Tom Brady didn't have a first-round bye in the playoffs? I don't know. Makes it a lot easier when you get to skip that first round. Get a little healthy. You don't have to travel. Forget the bye week. Because the Packers have barely been making the playoffs. Forget the bye week. They've only had one home game since 2014. That was that game against the Giants. The boat game with Odell Beckham, right? Where Aaron Rodgers threw that Hail Mary to Randall Cobb before the half. Aaron Rodgers, two-time MVP, Super Bowl winning quarterback, has played one home playoff game since 2014. And I know the focus this year is about reinventing the offense and rebuilding the defense and just simply getting back to the playoffs. I get that. Kind of across that bridge when you come to it situation. But I'm looking ahead. I am looking at the bridge of the playoffs because it's pretty unacceptable that Aaron Rodgers hasn't had a first round bye in five years and has only played one home game in the playoffs in five years. Really hard to win on the road, especially in the playoffs. Really hard to win in the playoffs, especially without a first round bye. Yesterday's game, so, so huge and helping to set up Green Bay for a potential, not only playoff appearance, but a a possible successful playoff run going deeper than we've seen in previous years. Uh, we got to take a break, but but when we come back, I want to talk more about the Packers game, obviously. I want to talk about what stood out. Two big things stood out to me yesterday, and also, I think I might be turning into an old man, uh, and and I'll talk about why why I'm possibly thinking that after yesterday's Packer game, that coming up at 5.30. A lot more Packers, Panthers talk to come. You're listening to the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. Jones cuts back. Touchdown, Green Bay. This is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. That one of three touchdowns for Aaron Jones yesterday. The Packers 24-16 to winners. Defense able to keep the Panthers out of the end zone. And then, of course, would have also had to keep them from converting a two-point conversion. An eight-point deficit in the Panthers game ends uh, well, on the one-yard line, coming close, Packers defense, maybe that last uh, drive, 18 plays the Panthers ran, uh, maybe the definition of bend, but ultimately at the goal line, do not break, right? We're talking Packers, we're talking Panthers, uh, and the game that moved the Green Bay Packers yesterday to 8-2 and two in a game and in a week that also saw the, paint, the Saints lose, saw the Vikings win. A lot of reasons that yesterday's win was was a necessity for Green Bay going into the bye week. And who knows? The Niners are going to have their hands full with a good Seattle team and, and Russell Wilson, who's playing like an MVP at the moment as well. And by the way, who's going to get Josh Gordon before too long as well. Packers needed to win yesterday. I, I, am I focused on how pretty it was? 
No, because you're going into the bye. It was snowing. But I do want to talk about a couple aspects of the game that stood out to me. If you have your own talking points, uh, something that jumped off the screen at you yesterday, I'd love to hear it. Shoot me a text, 608-796-2558. That's the five-star telecom talking text line. That's how you can reach me always, every single day, here on the Wisco Sports Show. Two things that stood out to me. You cannot talk about a Packer game without talking about Aaron Rodgers, number one. Yesterday's Aaron Rodgers performance felt like the Aaron Rodgers from earlier this season. Do you know what I mean? A couple of games came to mind. The Bears game, the Vikings game in week two, the Eagles game, which they ultimately ended up losing, although Aaron Rodgers was pretty spectacular in that game. And then the Cowboys game as well. Aaron Rodgers yesterday, 17 of 29 for 223. No touchdowns, no interceptions. Pretty bland stat line. However, however, the reason I compare Aaron Rodgers and yesterday's performance to performances we saw earlier this season is because he wasn't great. Aaron Rodgers was not great yesterday. He was not the star. That was Aaron Jones. Aaron Rodgers made enough star plays. He made enough great plays for the Packers to win yesterday. It's not always about being the star. It's not always about being great. But the way this team is constructed, with a good enough defense, certainly improved from years past, and a good enough run game with two really dynamic running backs and a couple good pass catchers, Aaron Rodgers doesn't have to be great for four quarters. He doesn't have to be the star for the entire game. He just has to make enough star plays. Just make enough great plays. You know what I mean? Go all the way back to week one against the Bears. Close your eyes. Not if you're driving. Close your eyes. Try to remember with me, right? Neither quarterback was great. Aaron Rodgers wasn't great. Mitchell Trubisky wasn't great. What separated the two? Why did we walk away from that week one game? Packers-Bears going, man, the Bears might be screwed with Trubisky. He, he's not, he is not improved. He's not great. Why did we walk away from that game saying, Packers look really good this year, and the Bears may be in trouble? Why? Neither quarterback was great. We believed in the Packers after that game because Aaron Rodgers in that game made a couple of star plays, made a couple of great plays, where in big moments when he had to make something happen, he got it done. The throw to the end zone with Jimmy Graham, that jump ball that he put up, that throw to Trevor Davis to dig him out of the cellar and flip field position. It was only two or three plays that he made. Great plays, great throws. Was he great for all four quarters? No. And he wasn't great for all four quarters yesterday. Missed some throws. He, he gave Lazard a tough pass in the first quarter. Right, he missed Aaron Jones streaking down the middle for a touchdown instead trying to go up top to Lazard, right? And he talked about it in his press conference. He was not great, left some meat on the bone. However, yesterday, he made enough great plays to get it done. The one thing that bothered me about Aaron Rodgers yesterday, and it's a relatively small complaint when you win. When the Packers lose, it's something you got to look at a little bit more. You notice how many deep shots Aaron Rodgers took yesterday on third and four, third and five, Third and six. I, oh, yesterday one of my buddies tweeted out, man, throwing bombs on third and manageable, that's a drug Aaron Rodgers just can't quit. I retweeted it at uh, Keystroker Grant. However, it was not not my content. Not my content. My buddy Nate tweeted it out. Throwing deep on third and manageable is a drug Aaron Rodgers can't quit. He loves it. Just uncorking one deep on third and four. That drives me crazy. However, if he completes one of those, which yesterday he didn't, if he completes one of them, it's a different story. But one of those instances was going up top to Lazard when Aaron Jones was going down the seam wide open on a linebacker. 
And another was a deep shot to Valdez Scantling, which Valdez Scantling, I guess, didn't feel like going up and getting. It, it wasn't a great throw, but it was certainly a ball that could have been had. Valdez Scantling's got to go up and get it. And another time, Aaron Rodgers throws deep to Lazard, but had running room to pick up the first down. One quarrel I have with Aaron Rodgers after yesterday, throwing deep on third and manageable. Penalties didn't help their cause either yesterday, right? Aaron Rodgers, his performance might have been hindered slightly, statistically, based on a couple of penalties scattered throughout the game. They had a third down conversion taken away off of, I'm not going to say there was no contact between Alan Lazard and the defensive back, but they called offensive pass interference. Uh, I don't know about that. That didn't help Aaron Rodgers' cause. But there were a couple of penalties where there's just no excuse for. Having a false start at home? Getting a delay of game out of a timeout? That can't happen. Dumb penalties, bad penalties like that will really hinder a quarterback's performance. Yesterday, Aaron Rodgers not a star. He was not great, but he made great plays, and he made enough of them for the Packers to come out on top 24-16. That was thing number one that jumped out to me. Reminded me of Aaron Rodgers against the Bears, Vikings, Eagles, Cowboys, where he's not necessarily a game manager. He is managing the game while sprinkling in some great plays, some star plays, some magical plays that only Aaron Rodgers can make. Those plays end up being the difference in some of these close, ugly affairs like yesterday that we saw at Lambeau Field. Point number two, the defense. Defense is it's a point of contention after yesterday, right? I think people are split on the Packers' defense right now and how good it is, or whether the first couple of weeks were, were a little bit of a mirage, right? We got out over our skis just a little bit, not to use a snow pun after yesterday's game. The defense, I think, is trending in the wrong direction. And I also think maybe offensive coordinators, the more that you get to see of a defense, the more weeks you have to go off of, the more tape you can watch, right? You start to figure things out, figure out ways to beat a specific defense. Not to mention that, look, the rules of the NFL today are designed for the ball to be moved, right? That's why you see a lot of defenses, Mike Pettins included, yesterday or last year, Wade Phillips and the Rams were the same way. We're not going to worry about getting stops. We're going to try to force turnovers, and we're going to try to stop you in the red zone because that's the way football is designed, right? But that all that being said, all those caveats put aside, the Packers' defense has been trending in the wrong direction. Now, how steep of a decline, how bad of a decline, that's up for debate, but they certainly have been trending in the wrong direction. I thought they played really, really well yesterday. And that might be an unpopular take. That might be a little bit contrarian. I'm not sure. I don't want to speak for you and how you feel about the Packers defense. I can only go off what I hear from friends, hear from listeners, see on social media. I thought the Packers defense was really, really good yesterday. Let me explain. Forget the score. Forget the result. Going into yesterday, what was everyone talking about? What was the big talking point? It was MVP candidate Christian McCaffrey preparing to go up against the Packers defense that has been a sieve against the run, right? That was the storyline. Well, forget yesterday's game happened. Saturday morning, if I told you that Christian McCaffrey is going to have 20 carries and go for 108 yards and one touchdown, would you have taken that? What if I told you 20 carries, 108 yards, and that touchdown didn't come until the fourth quarter? I would have taken that. 100%. I would have taken it. Packers defense yesterday forced two big turnovers, right? They were able to capitalize on the fumble, and then Tremont Williams with, God, I love Tremont Williams. Tremont Williams making that play in the end zone when it absolutely had to be made, right? We've seen tailor-made interceptions drop this year. Kevin King, Jair Alexander had another one yesterday. Another one. He should have five or six picks this year. Tremont Williams, the vet, making the play in the end zone and even falling in a manner where, where he spun his body. So, it look, 
The, the ball never touched the ground, right? The arms never touched the ground. I'm going to scoop my body under it to make it very clear. I'm not leaving this up to replay. Not leaving it up to interpretation, right? Tremont William with the veteran play. Not just two big turnovers, but the offense scored off of both. The Packers had 10 points off of turnovers yesterday. I think points off turnovers is the biggest stat, the most important stat in the entire NFL. Points off turnovers. And Matt LaFleur talked about yesterday uh, in the postgame press conference talking about we wanted to win the ball, right? That was a big point of emphasis. We were two to nothing uh, in the turnover category, right? Talked about, you know, first and foremost, winning the football. We, we won the turnover battle two to zero. And then exactly winning the turnover battle two to zero. There's a big point of emphasis going into the game. Those turnovers wouldn't have been nearly as much, wouldn't have been nearly as effective and damning to the Panthers had the Packers not scored a touchdown off of one and a field goal off the other. When you get an opportunity, when you get a mistake from an opposing offense, you have to make them pay. You have to. Yesterday, they got 10 points off of turnovers, so the offense complementing the defense a little bit. I don't think the Packers' defense was that bad yesterday. Final score, 20-16. to McCaffrey only had 108 yards. Let's put it in context a little bit. Everybody was down on the Packers' defense yesterday. Oh, they're bad. They can't stop the run. This, that, Kyle Allen. Well, let's go back to week two when the Packers won 21-16. Nearly an identical final score. In fact, the Packers' offense giving the Vikings, or their own defense, excuse me, even less leeway. 21-16 instead of 24. What did we say after that game? Man, this Packers' defense is legit. Man, Packers are going to win some games with this defense this year, right? Look at them go. Winning the game. Was that game really that different? 21-16 week two versus yesterday, 24-16? Need a little bit of piece of perspective with this Packers defense sometimes. And I'm not trying to be a homer. I think this is the unpopular take. I think this is the contrarian take. That the Packers defense is actually better than most people are giving it credit for. I, I thought they did great yesterday. Now, we can talk about the Chargers game. Right, or the Raiders, where they ran into some problems, or against Matt Moore and the Chiefs, sure. But yesterday, when they had to have it because the Vikings won, and the Saints lost, and the Niners could very well be in a tough game tonight, you had to have it, the defense showed up. 16 points, man, forget the turnovers. If the Packers didn't have two turnovers, holding the opposition to 16 points is still pretty good. Give that defense a lot of credit after yesterday. I want to get back to the offense. We have to take a break first. Uh, I, I had a take, and I brought it to Twitter last night, and I knew I wanted to talk about it today. Uh, regarding that final sequence going into halftime where the Packers were, um, well, they were stuffed at the goal line. I have a take about it. I think I'm turning into an old man. I think I'm turning into a baby boomer. Let me explain coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show presented by Played Against Sports. Back in a moment here on WKTY. This is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY 96.7 FM. 580 AM. You can always stream on our website, WKTYsports.com, and on our mobile app. I am your host, Graham Bills. Thanks for hanging out. Happy Veterans Day. Thanks to all those who have served. I saw a big event going down uh, in Mitchell Hall uh, on the campus of UW-Lacrosse this morning. Pretty cool uh, people being welcomed in. So thanks to everyone who has served. Happy Veterans Day to everyone out there listening. We're talking Packers, and we are celebrating a 24-16 win over the Carolina Panthers in the snow at Lambeau Field. Kind of a classic game, right? One that you will remember probably well into the future. Maybe not the result, maybe not the details, but snow games, under the lights, something to remember. And Aaron Rodgers talking about that in his press conference yesterday. 
We've talked a little bit about the defense, talked about Aaron Rodgers, talked about the meaning of yesterday's game because the Saints lost and the Vikings won. It was just a game you had to have, uh, not one you wanted to let slip away like last week where every other team in the NFC North fell. Packers not able to take advantage of it. Yesterday's game uh, was big for a lot of reasons. I want to talk about one thing in particular, and I am afraid I am becoming an old man. I am becoming a baby boomer. That's the thing to say right now, right? Okay, boomer, right? When someone older than you says something you disagree with, something you don't like, you played out, okay, okay, boomer, whatever, right? I'm afraid I'm becoming that person. First of all, before we get to the Packers, first of all, on Saturday I was at the Badger game, uh, and we were having a good time. What do you want me to say? We were out tailgating. We were going from place to place on Saturday. It was a beautiful day, having a bunch of fun. I get into the game, and I said, here we go. I got to tweet about the student section. I have to. Bill Michaels always does. Joe Zanzola always does. Zach Halpern always does. I have to be that guy. I have to take a picture of the student section and tweet about it. I did not care. I was not angry. I just wanted to see what the reaction was. And yes, everybody got upset. By the way, 99% of my tweets, by the way, you can follow me at Grant. 99% of my tweets are sarcastic. Nearly every single one. And people got upset. And let the kids drink. Oh, it's the bad system. The lines are too long. I don't care. I don't care. I missed the first possession. Our tailgate was across the street. It was across the street. Easy. Easy. But I wanted to be that guy. I wanted to be (laughs) the old man tweeting about the student section yesterday. And last night, I felt like my old man-ism, my old age, came out to play again. The Packers were driving at the end of the first half, right? And, And this was the drive that was extended because Gerald McCoy fell on Aaron Rodgers. They called it roughing the passer in the end zone. And then the Packers drive 90, whatever, 99 yards down the field or however long it was. To be on the doorstep with a couple of seconds to play in the half. No timeout. And you're thinking, do you run one play for a touchdown? Or do you kick the field goal and go into half? Now, I, I, I'll i tell you right now, because I, I, I am a worrier. I am sometimes a pessimist. Although not as much as I think some Packer fans who listen and text and call this show. I said, take the points. Absolutely take the points. Make this a 7-point game rather than a 14-point game like it was at the time. At halftime, at halftime, the score was 14 to 10. Packers leading. I wanted to make sure I had that right. They were playing to either go up, you know, seven points or go up 21 to 10, go up 11 points. All right, got to go for it. Got to go for it. Okay, okay, fine. Now they end up getting stuffed, right? They end up getting stuffed. I don't have a problem with the play call because of the result, right? That would be unfair to say, well, you should have kicked the field goal. Because you got stuffed. I wanted the field goal to be kicked long before they ever took the field, long before they lined up, and certainly long before they got stuffed because David Bakhtiari forgot to block the best interior lineman on the Panthers, if not one of the best in the league, in Gerald McCoy. And he rocked Jamal Williams long before he sniffed the goal line, right? I wanted the field goal long before any of that happened, and here's why. Here's why. Every single NFL game is different in the way that it develops, in the way that the momentum swings back and forth, the conditions, the weather, the location, every single one is different. And I know in the last segment, a couple minutes ago, comparing yesterday's game, 24-16, to the 21-16 victory over the Vikings earlier this year. Final scores are very similar. Those games went down very, very different, right? They unfolded very different. Even though the final scores looked similar. Every game is, is very, very different. Coaches need to feel this, and they need to react They need to call plays accordingly, right? They need to adjust. They can't say, well, three weeks ago, this situation came up. We handled it this way. 
and I'm going to do it the same way. Or it didn't work then, I'm going to do it differently now. Each week has to be different and be treated as such, right? 14-10, one play left in the half. You have to weigh the, the, the risks and rewards here, right? If you don't get it, you go into halftime up four. You still get the ball coming out of half. All right. Kick a field goal, you go up seven. And at that point, it's a 95% chance Mason Crosby's going to drill that field goal. It's an old school extra point, right? You're not going to miss that. And that was before the snow and the weather had really taken a turn, had gotten bad, right? 14 to 10. Risks and rewards. Weigh them. For me, the risks and the rewards going into half had nothing to do with the score. It had nothing to do with the points, right? My focus going into halftime was about momentum. It was about energy. It was about juice. Because I'll take you back a week ago, the Packers had none. No momentum, no juice, no energy. Now, at this point, the Packers start in a deficit. They play their way back, and they take a 14-10 to lead. Packers feeling it. At home. Going into half, knowing you're going to get the ball on the other side. At this point, it doesn't make sense, for me, for the Packers to get greedy. It doesn't. I think... The Packers did themselves a disservice by giving Carolina an opportunity to make a goal line stand. Because Carolina going into halftime, it, it, you're up 10-7, to 7, right? You take a lead early on in Lambeau, the Packers come back, they take a lead, let's say they kick a field goal up 17-10. to 10. You're going into halftime thinking, man, we didn't do enough, right? We got stops early, we didn't do enough. We kicked a field goal, we didn't do enough. Instead, when you go for it on the goal line, you open the door for the Panthers to snatch some of that momentum back snatch some of that juice, snatch some of that energy, and go into halftime feeling it and ready to come out and stop the Packers and go three and out on their first possession of the second half. To me, it wasn't about points. It wasn't about points. It was about handing the Panthers yesterday a huge opportunity to take back momentum, to go into the locker room and have something to rally around, a goal line stand, old school football, right? And Matt LaFleur gave them that opportunity, I thought, while going for it. I didn't think the difference between three and four points, right? It's a four-point swing. Either a touchdown, seven points, or a field goal three. I didn't think that was the end of the world. The Packers are going to get the ball coming out of half, right? They have a chance to, to go back-to-back and score on two straight possessions. It wasn't about the points. It was about allowing Carolina a, a, a piece of this game. It was allowing them an opportunity to snatch momentum, to snap energy, and have a rallying point coming into halftime. You see how excited they were? You see how hyped up Gerald McCoy was after stonewalling Jamal Williams? And rightfully so. It was a huge play. That play doesn't happen if Matt LaPleur doesn't give the Panthers an opportunity to make that play happen. Gave him an opportunity. Left the door open. And I thought that was dumb. And yesterday, once again, on Twitter, at Keystroker Grant, I tweeted, while Carolina is driving for the final time, I said, for all you millennials who hate field goals and always want to go for it, the Packers could be up 11 right now, had they, before half, just kicked a field goal. Now, it didn't end up mattering because defense gets a stop. Now, of course, that tweet is sarcastic. Of course, it's a joke. People still got angry about it. People still got upset about it. Shut up. You're an idiot. (laughs) Okay, boomer. (laughs) Right? You gave Carolina an opportunity to get, get themselves back into the game, to get juice, to get momentum, to get energy, and playing at home in the snow. It, it, It was not a winning recipe for the Panthers to come back and win that game. Everything was feeling like it was going the Packers way. Kick the field goal, take the points, go into halftime, and come out and score an opening drive touchdown. Gave Carolina an opportunity to get themselves back into the game. And sometimes that's more important than points. Sometimes you got to say, well, I'd love to have seven, 
but it's not worth the risk of Carolina making a huge play and going into the locker room feeling like they have momentum. That's a big deal. Momentum's a big deal in sports. Huge deal in sports. And it certainly, you saw it at the end of half, right? How excited they were running into halftime. I don't know what happened in the locker room with Riverboat Ron Rivera, but you gave the, you gave them that opportunity. You kick the field goal, that never happens. Every game is different. Every location, the weather, how a game is unfolding, running, passing, turnovers, penalties. It's different every single week, and a coach has to be able to adapt to that. And yesterday, I wanted Matt LaFleur to say, look, we got everything going our way. We're going into halftime. We're going to get the ball coming out of the second half. Let's just take the points, and we'll keep Carolina low energy, keep him down there, not give him a chance to get excited and to get back into this game. My take yesterday wasn't about seven points versus three. It was about Carolina, not about the Packers. And I think that's something that needs to be taken into consideration. When we come back, we got to put a, a, a stopper in the Packers-Panthers talk. The, the Badgers got a big win on Saturday, or a, a medium win. They, they got a win. We'll label it uh, after the break. We'll try to label it after the break. I, I, I'm worried about the Badgers, not because they won or not how they won. It's just something's starting to become clear with me about this Badgers team, and I'll explain it. It has to do with Jonathan Taylor. We'll talk about that and wrap up the Wisco Sports Show coming up next. Presented by Played Against Sports. You're listening to WKTY. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. My name is Grant Bills. I am your host. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for being here. Hope your week is off to a good start. And happy Veterans Day. A big thank you to all who have served and to the families who have served. Happy Veterans Day, everybody. Hope you're having a good night. I want I, I want to talk about the Badgers. I, I don't think their win on Saturday was anything overly eventful. I don't think it meant a lot, but I think it was telling. I think there was one big takeaway for Badgers fans after this game, and, and we'll get to that here in a couple of minutes. I was at the game, um, which is cool. I This is the second ever Badger game I went to. I was at Badgers, Iowa a couple of years ago, two years ago in 2017, uh, I, I always like to go when, when I was in town, Nate Stanley, the Iowa quarterback we talked about on Friday. I've seen him play, uh, since his sophomore year of high school. Uh, I went to high school up in Menominee with Nate and, and saw him play obviously some amazing football throughout the big rivers conference, uh, for those couple of years. And, and I wanted to see him a couple of high school friends and I went down and, and got to see the game. First of all, before we get into the Badgers, Madison, don't get mad when you hear this. Madison is wildly overrated, in my opinion. Game day is super cool. It's so much fun going around tailgate to tailgate to tailgate, and the atmosphere on game day is cool. I'm not saying that is overrated. What is overrated is the bar scene in Madison. The bar scene is terribly overrated in Madison. I'm talking about after the game when you want to go out. Well, you better be ready to wait a half hour in line, and you better be ready to pay $10 plus a drink, and, oh yeah, by the way, pay a cover charge for some reason, even though there's no band or, or really anything. They just... They just charge you to go in. Madison is wildly overrated. Game day is awesome. Bar scene, I will take third street of lacrosse every day, all day, and twice on Sundays, definitely after game day. Give me downtown lacrosse, not state street. Give me third street. Just just had to throw that out there. And I do see why people make it uh, into the game a little bit late, especially students. I don't want to leave my tailgate. That was a 3 o'clock game. We barely made it in in time. An 11 o'clock game? No, thank you. Nope. Nope. Not doing it. Not going. I was barely out of bed by 9.30. Why? Because we were out wasting our time and money at a very overrated State Street on Friday night. So just had to get that off my chest about Madison. Lacrosse, much better. Much better bar scene down here on 3rd Street than on State Street. Just had to get that off my chest. Let's talk about the Badger game, though. They win 24-22. And the game, 
really didn't feel that close. As someone who was there, maybe you were watching on TV and you felt differently. I, I didn't really feel worried at any point during this game. 24-22, the Badgers win. Iowa throws up 16 points in the fourth quarter to make it look a little bit closer uh, compared to a field goal in the first, a field goal in the second, and zero points in the third. So that's how that score comes about. It's, it's hard to win by two and say, well, it really wasn't that close. Well, well, that's how. You score 16 points in the fourth quarter after Wisconsin basically had it in hand. Pretend we did this with the Packer game. Pretend you didn't see the score, right? I, 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 I'll, I'll tell you. The Badgers and the Hawkeyes played on Saturday. Jonathan Taylor had 250 yards. Pretend that's all I tell you. Jonathan Taylor had 31 carries for 250 yards. And they're playing at home. What would you have predicted the final score to be? What would you have predicted the result to be? Iowa, Wisconsin, Camp Randall, Jonathan Taylor goes for 250 yards. What would you guess? I'll tell you what I would have guessed. I probably would have guessed eh, 31-14. I, I don't think that much of, of Iowa offensively, so maybe even less than that. 31-10, 31-14. Like I said, Iowa only had six points through the first three quarters. 31 probably would have been the number I picked, right? How do you only win by two points? How do you only win by two points? I'm not mad for the sake of the rankings, for the sake of of optics, right? Needing to blow out an inferior team at home, right? Needing to, no, make a statement. That's not what I'm saying. But you get 250 yards from Jonathan Taylor and you win by two? Two. And like I said, that final score looks a lot closer than it was because of Iowa's 16 points in the fourth quarter. But still, Jonathan Taylor goes off for 250 and you win by two? Let's think about this for a sec. The way this Badger team is constructed, the way this Badger team is built, the recipe for Wisconsin to win is getting Jonathan Taylor going, is getting him rolling. Remember what Melvin Gordon used to do, James Ball, or James Ball, might as well have been James Ball, James White, Monte Ball, that whole backfield. When they were winning and winning big, their running backs were opening defenses up. Four performances like 31 carries and 250 yards. And the Badgers blow teams out. The recipe for this Wisconsin team is for Jonathan Taylor to go off. When he does, like he did on Saturday, you gotta make hay. You have to play really well. You have to crush opponents when Jonathan Taylor goes off for 250 yards. You have to. Because if everything goes perfectly, and Jonathan Taylor goes off, and everything goes according to plan, and you're at home, you gotta beat Iowa by more than two points. 24-22? That result, juxtaposed to that performance from Jonathan Taylor, makes me think, this offense is limited. This team is limited. They have a ceiling. No matter how great Jonathan Taylor is, they're just, they're still limited. They're still only so good. And that's what I saw on Saturday. That's what jumped out to me is, everything went right. You're playing at home. Students actually had time to get into the game because the game started at 3 You're playing against Iowa. Jonathan Taylor had 250 yards. They had 300 rushing yards as a team. Nikia Watson had 32. Mason Stockey, former Menominee player, my grad, also had a carry for three yards. (laughs) Danny Davis had 17 yards as well. 300 yards! And you win by two? Huh? Now, I get Jack Cohen through an interception... And he was just okay. But he also made some throws, right? He was he was good enough. How do you only win by two? Once again, 
When I see a performance like that out of Jonathan Taylor in Madison late in the year, and the Badgers win by a measly two points, it would have been one thing. Look, it would have been one thing if the defense would have had an off week and Wisconsin would have won 34-31. Okay, 24-22? What happens when Jonathan Taylor actually gets bottled up by a good defense? What if Jonathan Taylor tweaks his hamstring, got to sit out a week? I don't even want to think about what the result might be then. Saturday, everything went perfectly. You dominated in just about every statistical category. They were close in receiving, by the way. Iowa had 208 yards through the air. Wisconsin had 173. Very comparable. Very close. Both teams had a turnover or two. But 250 yards rushing and a two-point win? Man. And I understand you won. And and you have to keep pace. You have to win because Minnesota won on Saturday too, which is really impressive. But two points? Man, oh man. And then I got to go and spend $10 a drink and I got to spend $35 for an Uber downtown on State Street, Madison. And I got to wait in line for 40 minutes to get into a damn bar and pay a $5 cover charge. The bar should pay me $5 for standing in line so long. Which may be my bigger takeaway from this weekend is actually how much better 3rd Street in La Crosse is better than State Street in Madison. That, that might be my biggest takeaway of the weekend. But also, Wisconsin, when Jonathan Taylor goes off, you got to find a way to, to win and win big. you got to make hay while the sun is shining. And the sun was shining on Saturday. Jonathan Taylor could not be stopped. Seven yards of carry. Makes me worried. Makes me think this team has a, a ceiling, an offensive ceiling. And no matter what happens, they're still only so good. Thanks for talking. Thanks for hanging out. Packers and Badgers today. We're going to be back tomorrow to talk about it. Bucks have a pretty good injury. Chris Middleton's going to miss some significant time with a leg injury. We'll talk about how that impacts the team and also talk more about the Packers as they approach their bye week. See what happens with San Fran tonight as the top of the NFC could get really, really close. That's the Wisco Sports Show. Same time, same place tomorrow. Talk to you then.